At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So good to have John and my main man, Michael Smith, my main man, DeAndre Jordan, world champion, DeAndre Jordan. How's that sound, champ? Man, that sounds really, really good. Every time somebody tells me, like, hey, what's up, champ? I'm like, wait, wait, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I just get super excited just because, man, it's been a long time coming and um, it's, it's it still doesn't feel real in this moment. And uh but when you when you're reminded and you look at all the pictures and the videos, it is it's it's an amazing feeling. So, you said it still doesn't feel real. So I guess it hasn't quite hit you yet. Uh, I mean, it, it, it hits me when I when I look at the videos and when I when I look at pictures. But you know, when I'm back home now and you know it's it's full daddy duty time, you know, and I was able yeah. to like experience a few days of of being a champ, but I, I definitely still feel it. But, you know, when you're with your teammates in the city that you play in and it's just a different feeling and energy and vibe, but, you know, obviously I'm back home and it's that same, that same love. Um, but it's kind of like, Hey, get back to your family life and the boys in the summer. And that's all they care about is it's summertime. So yeah, uh, we're, we're enjoying that. So I know uh, I've read where you often, you visualized, uh, what it would be like to finally uh, be a world champion. How does the feeling compare to what you imagined? Ooh. Um, well, the first question I got from people, like, are you going to cry? And I'm like, no, like, I'm, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when the, when the time was, when the time was running down, everything that I imagined I would experience or do or say, it was like a blank canvas. And obviously when you think about the 15 years throughout my career, the times that I thought we would be champions in LA and uh, other teams that I was on and, you know, you just come up short and you think about all the times where your heart was broken in the locker room and then having to refocus and go back into the summer uh, and start that grind all over again. I thought about all of those moments and then I got extremely emotional with a couple of other guys and, um, and it, it was kind of like I was in, in shock. And then when the confetti came down and all of my teammates were cheering, you kind of like, like snapped back into that moment of being here in the present. And it was an amazing feeling. And then when I saw my family uh, and the fans, it was just, it was great. Like, I, I know why, uh, you know, that feeling is such a great feeling. And um, I'm just, I'm lucky to have been a part of it. 
I want to stay in that moment and talk about just that, like staying in the moment and being present in that moment. I know that's a big part of, of, of how you live your life, but I know that was also going into this, um, this, this run and going into the finals, you really wanted to be cognizant of that and, and, and being in the moment and being present. Like what moments were especially profound and powerful uh, once you guys won the franchise's first championship, your first career championship. Do you remember any moments that really stood out that you were super present in that you that you'll never forget that you'll always hold on to? Man, well, you know, the obviously the game was back and forth throughout the entire forty eight minutes, and then the last two minutes it was kind of like, okay, whoever gets two yeah. stops in a row is going to win this game, um, and we got multiple stops and. Then I, I remember looking over and I see a, a close friend of mine, Jeff Green. He just has his hand in his face, looking at the ground. And I'm like, "Yo, like the game, we got to. The game isn't over, you know." Yeah. Um, but I think that he was kind of like on the same emotional roller coaster that I was. And I remember I kept sitting, standing, sitting, standing, and I was like, you know, rubbing my my legs. And KCP tapped me, and he's like, "Hey, stop doing that. You're making me nervous." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, man, I'm nervous. I'm trying to calm myself down. And um, ultimately, like when it was, a, you know, 20, 25 seconds left and we knew I've kind of felt that, hey, we're about to win this thing. I, I you know, I was in that moment and it was my body just felt crazy. Uh, and I remember the smallest guy on the floor, which is another great friend of mine, is Smith, just mm-hmm. gave me this bear hug almost as if he was like as strong as Steven Adams and I'll never forget how hard he squeezed me man and um it was you know at that moment you know you grind with these dudes and um to see these grown men extremely emotional for something that we dreamed of as little boys um it was it was a great feeling and just being able to be in that moment with each guy with uh, with the fans so each of my family members um, to see that and experience that, it was it was surreal and it, it was great. I don't know if you knew this, but that moment was literally unprecedented in NBA history. I, maybe you read this, maybe somebody told you this. I just I read this yesterday. You and Jeff Green are the first pair of teammates to each play one thousand regular season games and win their first title together. So, in other words. Nobody had ever played as long as you two had and experienced the joy of winning a title for the first time together. Wow. So that was extra special. Man, it, that is extremely special. Like I said, Jeff is one of my, one of my greatest friends, and we, we played on two teams previous, uh, previously uh, with the Clippers and then with Brooklyn. Um, so we've had times where we thought, hey, you know, we're going to win a championship together. And mm-hmm. um, just to finally do it, for both of us, Jeff being in the league 16 years and, you know, his journey obviously was a very long, tough one. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, guys like us, those veterans in the locker room, we've stuck with things throughout our careers that have made us stronger and being able to, you know, be the voice of calm and reason and motivation at times in that locker room. Uh, I feel like not only helped our team, but, you know, it helped us. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into your role uh, as a teammate, as a leader, as a mentor. But I, I, I want to ask, like, because I asked you, does, how does it feel compared to what you thought it would feel like? But you've, you've referenced a couple of times the, the times, whether it's in L.A. or, or Brooklyn, where you, where you thought you had a championship team and instead experienced disappointment. 
I guess the first part of that question would be, like, how much sweeter was it, given the disappointment that you had to endure throughout your 15-year career? Ooh, it was, man. Well, let me say this. It's, it, it is very, very hard to win an NBA championship. Uh, I remember a really uh, close coach that I had would tell us that, you know, to win, you got to have skill. You got to be selfless. Everybody in your team has to be selfless and you got to have a little bit of luck. Um, and I never really understood that until now. Um, because I thought like, hey, every team that has won it, they've been the most talented together team. Um, and, you know, looking at all of those moments that we've had throughout the course of the season, throughout the course of the postseason, I saw all three of those different things that he, he was talking about. Um, but it's just being a competitor in this league, you, you care so much about reaching your goal. And 30 teams at the beginning of training camp said we're competing for a championship. Whether or not all of those teams really believe that, whether or not they 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 get to that point, that's everybody's goal. And, you know, only 17 out of the 450 guys in this league are going to be able to feel those emotions and that happiness and that joy and be the last team standing on the floor every year. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of heartbroken teams and guys that have to experience that as well. So just being able to go through that for 14 years and then, finally, you know, reached the pinnacle of my 15th season. It was, it was amazing, man. I appreciated every moment and every heartbreak feeling that I went through in that locker room after we would lose a playoff series and to finally go in the locker room and see the plastic up in the champagne and tear the locker room up like crazy. It was all worth it. And I also wonder, like, so you had a very unique role on this team that you embraced. And again, we'll get to that, but you know, when you look at in L.A. in particular and the promise that those teams had and the role you played, a significant role you played in those Lob City Clippers or what have you. It's like, was this championship for that DeAndre as well, if that makes sense? Like, because you didn't play as much on this team, and yet it's your championship all the same. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but whereas before, <laughs> before you obviously, you know, wanted a, wanted a, wanted a big three, wanted, wanted a major players, but weren't able to win it. So, did it feel like there was some, I guess, some closure winning it, uh, even in a supporting role cast for all the years where you weren't able to win it? Am I making sense? Yeah, I, I believe so, man. I think that um, because I had so many talks with uh, Yoke, um, Jamal, Aaron, KCP, Mike, guys who, Bruce, Christian Brown, Jeff, guys who were, you know, played a ton of minutes for us throughout the postseason. And just giving them tips and pointers throughout the course of the game on off days about how I thought that the other team would respond to what we're doing. And um, and that was just me doing what other veterans mm-hmm. would do for me when I was. You paid it forward. That. Yeah. And I think that um, I, those moments helped me when I was a younger player because I would take advice from, uh, you know, Chauncey Billups. I would take advice from, you know, Grant Hill, uh, all types of these other veterans that we had on our teams, Karan Butler, that were, that had played at the highest level. Um, and I think that for all of those guys, for me being a young player, uh, just being able to still 
contribute to the team um, and have an impact on the game is, yeah. is, 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 is still huge. Well, I would actually like to ask you about one moment in particular. Um, I think there was a timeout during game five um, where, you, where you had a chat with Jamal Murray, I want to say. Does that, does that ring a bell? And if so, what do you remember saying to him in that critical moment? And Jamal, I talked to Jamal quite a bit, but I just keep reminding him to keep his confidence up, man. Even if he, if he isn't shooting the ball well, he's made a couple turnovers, I still love when he's aggressive. Because yeah. I remind him of Jamal Murray, you know. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I always tell him, like, hey, like, there's three words. Like, remember who you are, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he really takes that to heart. And, you know, I think just to be able to have your teammates who have your back and have confidence in you, that's when we play at the highest level. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's one thing to have confidence in yourself. And we all have that because we wouldn't have been here without that. However, when you know that I can look over to the bench and if I'm shooting four for 17 or I got six turnovers, my guys are confident in me to make the right basketball play to help us win. And I think that just takes your talents and the team's talents to a different level. And when I told Jamal all those things, he just looked at me and nodded. I was like, I got you. I got you. And, you know, he, he made plays. He made plays for us continuously. A couple more things on this subject before we jump in the way back machine. Um, like winning this championship finally, how much, how much did it make you wish even more that you were able to get it done with Brook with uh, with with LA uh, in Lob City? But at the same time, how much did it give you peace? Like you just talked about how hard it is to do it. How much did it give you peace that you know what? That's how it had to happen. That's just the break sometime, and all in due time, you know, I got I got my championship. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with the second the second half of that. I think that um, it was supposed to happen like this. I was supposed to go through this journey and go through ups and downs mm-hmm. in my career. You know, uh, miss it by a little bit uh, just to be able to appreciate this moment even more. Uh, with that yeah. said, I would love to have won the championship with the team who drafted me, where I spent the first ten years of my career with um, with, with guys who I believe helped me take off in my career. And, and and excel at the highest level, um, and I think that it's um, it, it's funny because on that team I got a lot of individual individual personal accolades, um, but never was able to achieve a collective team one. Um, but to be able to go and do something team and not do any individual accolades is kind of like the yeah. reverse, and I'm that. I was able to like complete everything in my career that I wanted to. Thinking that, yeah, I was just thinking that word. You you took the word that word "complete." There's something complete about your contributions throughout your career. That's that's real interesting. Well, let's let's go way back, man. Um, We getting old, or or I'm getting old. It feel like (laughs) just yesterday you got drafted. It's 15 years. It's 15 years. Fifteen years since you since you no were grades, taken in the no, second round. No, no grays, no grays. I'm still jet black over here. But no baby. Maybe, like, maybe like underneath. It, maybe like under here some gray. But I keep okay. I'm about to say, is that is that natural jet black or you got some? Oh, baby, that's natural. Know, no, some... no, no, no artificial okay. flavor. Right. I'm just, I'm just hey, look. No judgment. No judgment either way. You know, you want to do the Carlos <laughs> Boozer thing? That's on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but it's been 
It's been 15 years since you went in the second round of the NBA draft. You were projected, I believe, to go in the middle of the first. Uh, what do you remember about your draft night experience? Oh, my gosh. Uh, at that time, I thought the world was over um, because I had got invited out to the draft and, you know, all these things. Got promised by a few teams. Um, and then, Who promised you? Know, I don't want to put those guys on blast, but I remember the, the team every time we played them. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't like those teams. But anyway, um, yeah, and when I got there, my entire family was there. Um, and, you know, I remember sitting next to a few other guys like Mario Chalmers and Joey Dorsey mm-hmm. and Nicholas Batum. I remember that vividly. And, you know, I told my and numbers keep getting called. I'm hearing, hey, okay, this is the pick. They're, they said they're gonna get us. Boom! I would hear somebody else's name get called. And you know, as a 19 year old, you kind of like emotions are very high at this time. And I told my, I remember telling my mom like, hey, like if I don't get picked in the second round, I'm leaving. I mean, in the first round, I'm leaving. I'm just gonna leave. And uh, I remember the 30th pick, I believe, was Boston Celtics. And I still, I still give Doc you know, a hard time for this to, to this day. They took uh, someone else. Um, and That's right. They took J.R. Giddens yeah, out of New Mexico. Yeah. I didn't want to say, yeah. I didn't want to say his name, but they took, they took J.R. Giddens. Um, yeah. And I was, I was pissed about that. And I told Doc that I was pissed about that once he came over to coach the Clippers. <laughs> um, and I remember getting up. I was like, Hey, we're leaving. You know, my mom was like, you sure? I said, okay, I'm leaving. So I remember walking out, Cause I was, I'm just go back, go back to the hotel, and if somebody calls me, somebody's calling, but I can't hear, sit here because I'm gonna lose it, and I don't want to be on camera like that. Um, so I remember the lady by the name of Chris Chin, who is, um, you know, still like a, you know, big sister aunt kind of role to me to this day, because she was in charge of like taking care of the guys who were 21 and younger, and she said, "Don't leave," and I said, "I'm leaving. I can't do this. I'm leaving." She said, trust me, I'll, I'll just stay, stick it out. So I ended up staying, and then, you know, five picks later, the, Clip, the, the Clippers drafted me at 35, and um, I was extremely excited to be drafted, but I was also pissed because I was like, I know I'm better than 35. I know I'm better than 35, but as I got older, I just realized that it was just a number. And, you know, at that point in your career, they show you all the second-round gyms that have been successful in the league, and I was like, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that and more. Um but it was a great situation for me. I wouldn't change it because I was able to go to a, the Clippers who were, you know, still building and had young guys. And then we ended up getting Blake the next year and then we took off. So everything happened for a reason. I feel like in that moment for me. No, that's, that's beautiful. Um, were you ever given an explanation, you know, I was about, not. about why you went to 35? Okay. No, I was not. And at that point I wasn't even worried about it. I just was like, Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is, the hand that I was dealt and I'm going to take advantage of it. And, you know, I ended up going to a team with a ton of, ton of vets, like real old school vets that I'm still, you know, great friends with to this day. Like Marcus Camby was a vet of mine, Baron Davis, uh, Tim Thomas, Katino Mobley, Ricky Davis, um, Zach Randolph. I had like, I had Jason Hart. I had like vets. Oh, like, you yeah. know, um, yeah. those guys really like helped me become disciplined uh, and like listen to what they had to say, and I, I I couldn't thank those guys enough. Although I was like also a little afraid of these guys too, so I was like, I gotta listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So oh, I was just yeah, about yeah. to ask because you because you were smiling when you said vets. That smile said you got stories. Because in, oh, in a locker yeah, room with yeah, Zach yeah. Randolph, Ricky Davis, Baron, Day, like you get you got to have some stories as a rookie you know, on yeah, that yeah. team. And I, you know, I still like, uh, <laughs> I, like I, and I, this was different times than now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah. uh, going on, you know, store runs, picking stuff up, going to get guys food before the games, making sure that the Krispy Kreme donuts were hot and fresh before <laughs> shoot rounds, like. Uh, Marcus Canby, who's, uh, you know, like a part of my family at this point. Um, I remember I would have to get him a half a dozen regular glaze and three raspberry filled because his daughters like the raspberry filled donuts. And uh, <laughs> yeah, those go hard. Baron Davis, <laughs> yeah. Baron Davis. I had to get a vanilla chai latte with oat milk or something like, so I, I still remember those guys orders, which is crazy to me. You know what I mean? But I, that just was a part of my life at that point. Um, that's, that's good stuff. So <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, giving you, um, you know, another, another stat from that 2018 draft, 20, 2008 draft, I beg your pardon. You played, you have played more games than anybody in that draft, except for Russell Westbrook. So talk about things working out the way they're supposed to happening for a reason. But I wonder, you mentioned those teams that you, that you never liked and maybe still don't like that promised you, but passed on you. What did those teams that didn't draft you miss about DeAndre Jordan? Man, everything that I did in my career um, and more. I think that it's hard to judge a 19-year-old kid who has has upside, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I believe that, you know, people are drafting for their jobs too, you know. Um, so I, I – I don't fault them for that, but still it was great motivation for me as a young player because as a young player, you want to believe that everybody in the world is against you. And that's what pushes you to work extremely hard. Um, so for me, that, that helped me. Uh, but I will say that every time I would look at all of my accomplishments and I would think of those teams who tell me, Hey, we're going to take you. If you're available at this pick, I would think, Hey, like I play y'all for sure. It's going up, you know, uh, but hmm. I'll be like, hey, like, you know, I could have done it in, in that uniform or, you know, with those guys on that team. But I'm so happy that I wasn't drafted to that team because I was able to do it with a group of guys who I ended up calling brothers after 10 years uh, spending time there. I'm, I'm Googling while we're talking because I'm trying to I'm trying to put two and two together. Who was Brandon Knight playing for when you baptized him? And was that one of them teams? <laughs> did you did you take it out on him? Is what I'm trying to. What I'm trying to was he with the Pistons at the time? <laughs> it was with the Pistons. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, okay, yeah, that was the Pistons, March 10, 2013. Did the Pistons promise you? And is that why Brandon Knight had to get that smoke? <laughs> nah, that had nothing. That had nothing to do with that. Was just okay, a cool. Like people ask me about that play a lot, and honestly, like. I didn't even see uh, Brandon, man. Like, I just was making eye contact with Chris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know he was there until, like, our body is hit in the air. And, and like, I, I remember that because I was like, I heard boom. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I looked down to check on him. And then CP pushed me. And then after that, I just kind of blacked out and then, like, forgot yeah. about him. Uh, but, yeah, that was – that was I. The thing about that is I was more excited at that point in my career because I made the free throw afterwards. So I was like, 
oh, that's the cherry on top. You know, because at that point yeah. I was like, yeah, very scared to go to the line, you know? So, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It was good. That, that that will go down in history as one of the nastiest dunks of all time. But I wonder, usually, you know, the artists, it, it, you'd be surprised what they think is their masterpiece, right? What is your all-time favorite dunk that you've uh, achieved? Your, your best poster. Oh, that's tough. Uh, mm, ooh, I got a, I got a nice collection, Michael. Um, you do, that's, you do. That's probably, the, that's probably the most famous one, man. I will say that 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 one was that one was pretty good. I have, I have, I've had a couple in the, in the garden, which were which were great. Uh, and I have, I have one in Memphis that was really, really good when we were playing against those grit and grind teams. Uh, so it was a physical game the entire game. So uh, one of those two. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you, uh, when you look back at, at, at those Lob City years, man, what would you say uh, is, the, is, the, is the lasting legacy of that group? Y'all obviously didn't, didn't win a title. But certainly gave us a lot of memories, which we'll get into uh, a lot of highlights, which we're talking about. Um, but I think from the outside looking in, uh, a lot of people think of that group for what it didn't accomplish. Mm-hmm. How do you view those years with the, with your teammates? Uh, I don't look at it as a, a negative time at all because um, you know I believe maybe a couple years before us, the Clippers made the playoffs with like Sam Cassell and Sean Livingston and Elton Brand and those guys. But other than that, the, at, when we were there and before, the Clippers were not doing anything successful as, as far as I can remember as a player when I got mm-hmm. there. I believe that we changed that culture. Um, mm-hmm. Having continuous winning seasons and making the playoffs and um, you know not having as many uh, Laker fans at our home games when we played the Lakers um, – we changed the culture and the energy and, you know, we made people proud to be Clippers fans. I believe that. And, 
that's something that can never be taken away from that team. We 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 changed a lot of different things about the uh, the name of the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, a, a, a big change I'll say it was was obviously ownership. Um, mm. What do you know about what do you know about this series? By the way, um, this uh, Sterling Affairs TV miniseries that's coming out, and uh, you know anything about it? Because we know the Lakers didn't like winning time, and obviously that's a completely different story. Mm. But they didn't like winning time. So, so what do you know about this uh, the Sterling Affairs series? I know Lawrence Fishburne is playing Doc Rivers. Yeah. I was looking yeah. up. Um, uh, who's playing you and a gentleman by the name of Sheldon Bailey is playing DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if you're giving him any tips or what have you, uh, but what you know about the series coming out? Honestly, I know very little about the series. They told us that they were making a series and I was kind of like, all right, well, I hope it isn't crazy. I wonder what they're going to say, you know, but yeah. um, I think I, and I saw, and I was laughing at the guys uh, like pictures. They had the comparison between all of us. That's, that's a, to the extent that I know about the show. And uh, I remember we were giving Blake a hard time. Like, this guy, like, look at Blake's picture. Like, look at – but I think the guy that they got the closest was probably Matt Barnes, uh, yeah. like the, the guy who's depicting him. And I think, I, you know, I believe that Matt knows a little bit more about uh, the storyline. But, I'm you know, I'll definitely watch it just to see and, you know, kind of, you know, uh, go back into some of those memories and, and – and, and see like how much of those that they got right or wrong or um, and just, just have probably have a good time with it. Hopefully we'll see. You ever think back to, you know, the tapes and, 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 you know, the fall and that just that whole Donald Sterling fallout, think, you know, yeah, that was insane, man. And it was during the middle of the playoffs and we were playing the Golden State Warriors who I yeah. think ended up winning the championship that year. Um, I don't. I don't think it was, was that year. I don't was think it the following so. year, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I could be wrong. Yeah, but, uh, y'all played them was, a lot. Yeah, we played them a ton. We played them a ton, and I think that um, we Doc had told us the night before, like, hey, like, there's gonna be some tapes that come out about Sterling, some recordings he's on the phone or something, you know. And we're like, okay, like he probably just saying some crazy stuff, like nothing that you know we were gonna be affected by you know mm-hmm. but the next morning before we had our breakfast meeting to go to shoot around i remember our team group chats going crazy about what was happening and like we're like well send the link send the link so we all are listening to it and immediately i'm like oh i'm not playing for, i'm not playing you know um, i can't play with for this this guy you know um and we went to shoot around. Oh, we're to the breakfast meeting. We're all having talks about it. And I remember, you know, Doc just telling us, you know, stories about, you know, his childhood and him growing up. And um, he was like, DJ, why you, you still got a scowl on your face? What's going on? I said, Doc, I'm not playing. You know, I don't feel comfortable playing like nothing's wrong, you know. And um, we looked at J.J. Reddick at the time, who was probably the only white guy on our team. And he was, he told us, and I, you know, I love JJ to this day for what he said. He, he told us, Hey man, like whatever you guys want to do, I'm going to do it because you guys are my brothers. If you guys don't want to play, I'm not playing. Um, And I'm, I'm so happy. And I'm, you know, that he, a guy, you know, he had our backs and that was, that was what the team was all about. And we ultimately ended up playing because doc told us something that was, 
important he asked us a question. He said, hey, you know, when you guys were growing up and you wanted to be in the NBA, you wanted to do all these things, did you ever say that you wanted to win a championship? You wanted to work really hard for the owner of the team? And we all were like, no. Like, well, who did you want to do it for? And everybody was saying, we wanted to do it for ourselves, for the team, for the coaches. And he said, well, that's what we're doing it for. So that kind of changed everybody's moods, and we ended up going in there. And I remember we saying, hey, man, I thought that we were going to either blow them out or they were going to blow us out because of the emotional roller that we had been through. And it went one way, but it wasn't in our favor. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that series – that series was great, man, and um, it was it was it was a, a very, um, you know, drastic time during our careers. And uh, shortly after that, we got what I thought was one of the greatest uh, owners in sports, uh, Steve Ballmer. Yeah. He kind of completely changed the the narrative, the energy of that that franchise, and um, he bought a a, a young energy energy to the live city days that we had and that was just extremely uh, amazing to be a part of what do you think going back to that that sterling situation like what do you think is the the lasting legacy um for you or even for the league of of uh of, of that chapter i thought that adam did a um did a really good job handling that situation because I don't believe that there's any place for bigotry, racism, what have you, in our league. The game is such a beautiful game, and there are people around the world who love and play this game, and they look up to a lot of the players in our league and the things that we're doing and how the league is changing, even internationally. And I think that, you know, when you bring – negativity into the league like that it's not a it's not a place for it and i think that that was like adams he had just began to yeah so i think that was probably one of his biggest tests and i think that he handled it perfectly yeah definitely uh a watershed moment um and and we could stay on that all day (laughs) but i i gotta ask you speaking of things that should be made in the tv series like so twitter's awful now i barely tweet but you want to talk about memories? I will never have more fun just reading Twitter than I did in 2015 when <laughs> when your teammates held you hostage at your own in my, home in my, in my own house, by the way. So let's just <laughs> right. I yeah. mean the emojis. I mean it just it was so classic. And for those that may not remember, you know you you were gonna go to Dallas, sign a four year, eighty million dollar deal with the Mavericks, your teammates. Uh, all descended upon your home in Houston. It was like, nah, like you're not, and, and you ended up staying with the Clippers. But I need you to do me a favor, though. Like, there got to be some untold stories from that house because I've read you've said since that it was it was more fun on the outside than it was on the inside. It what it wasn't all that on the inside of the house that we was having more fun online. But like, there yeah. had to be some cool stories in that house going on. Yeah, it was it was it was a great time. I remember. Um... Because I, I, once I verbally committed to Dallas and I told him I was going, I hadn't. I talked to a couple of my teammates and told them, I was like, hey, man, like, I think I'm going to do this. Um, but I hadn't talked to Doc. And uh, Doc and I, you know, we, he called me. I think it was uh, maybe like a Saturday. And I remember my, I was in the room with my brothers, and I showed up on the phone. I'm like, it's Doc. 
And my one brother was like, uh-oh. So I'm like, I'm going to answer. You know, so <laughs> Doc, and I, Doc and I are talking. And um, he was like, I needed some time just to kind of collect my thoughts. And um, he was like, hey, I, you know, I'm happy for you. But I still think that we have unfinished business, you know, here with the Clippers. And I said, Doc, you know, I love the Clippers. I, You know, this is home for me. However, you know, we just haven't been able to get over that hump. And I wanted to try something new. Mm-hmm. And he said, I believe you, man, but I just, and, I, and I'm happy for you if you still decide to go. And in my head, I'm like, still decide to go. You know, like I told him I was going, you know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he's like, um, I just, I, I, I still think we have unfinished business here, man. And if you were to change your mind, like we would have your back. Everybody would have your back. And I was like, Doc, man, I can't, I can't change my mind, can I? Like, I can't do that. And he's like, well, get, get, one, thing, one thing, give me an hour and I'll call you right back. I said, okay, cool. So maybe like 15, 20 minutes later, I get a call from, I get a call from Blake and he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. What, what, what you mean? He's like, well, Doc just called me and we all headed down to Houston. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? Like, what, you, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't tell y'all to come down here, you know? So ultimately, like, everybody came down. J.J. Reddick drove up from Austin because he was living there at the time. Chris and came on the banana boat or, or from the Chris banana came boat. from vacation, which I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. now, now I feel like this, like, prima donna. Like, I, and I wasn't trying to get that attention. I just was like, hey, like, this is what, I'm going to do something different because, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they and I told my mom, I was like, hey, I think, um, you know, the team is coming down, you know. And she was like, what? But you told them people in Dallas that you're going to Dallas? I said, I know. And she said, are you having second thoughts? And I was like, well, kind of now. Like, And she said, DeAndre, and people in Dallas going to kill you. So and I was like, oh, my goodness. So they coming down and uh, we all had like this big conversation and um a lot of things were like laid on the table about you know us as players um franchise how things were going and what we wanted to see that was different and ultimately i think that it was the best thing for us as players uh, because we were very honest with each other about things that we liked things that we didn't like things that we expected out of each other and it was great. And I remember Paul Pierce was there, who I had never mm-hmm. met before, besides like on the floor. Because um, remember, he put the rock, he put the big the clip art rocket emoji. He, he messed it up in true <laughs> Paul Pierce so, fashion. He ain't know how to do Blake, emojis. Like ended up putting the chair in front of my front door of my house and yep, took a picture. Yep. Um, and uh, I'll never forget this. I, you know, I'm seeing everybody, you know, after we had these conversations and JJ walks me, he said, hey, like, we're good here. Like, we're, you're staying? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm staying. He's okay, so can I can I leave? I, I like to get back to my family. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, go ahead. So JJ drives <laughs> back to Austin, which is like a two-hour drive from Houston. And yeah. like, okay, cool. So I'm dapping everybody up, like waiting on them to leave. And then Paul Pierce and Armand Hill go outside to my backyard. And I'm like, well, why are they going outside? Like, I'm trying to get everybody out of my house, you know? Right, right. All is like, oh, Doc not leaving until you sign. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so we had to wait until 11 o'clock Houston time, which was midnight uh, East Coast time yeah. before I could slide. So we ended up ordering a ton of food and uh, hanging out there. 
And that's when the emoji battle was going crazy. And I remember JJ, JJ told us a couple of weeks later that he was so busy. Kids don't do this at home. Uh, looking at um, Twitter while he was driving back to Austin that he missed his exit and ended up an hour away from his house because he was so busy, like, <laughs> checking out his food. Um, but I really uh, thank Doc for that moment because, and I, I, I've apologized to Dallas a ton of times because I, I did feel like, uh, you know, deep down I was, um, I was happy that I ended up staying with the Clippers because we did more things uh, with that franchise. I accomplished more things individually with that franchise and um, got to, you know, do 10 years with that franchise. And I, I, I couldn't thank Doc and Steve Ballmer and my teammates enough for that. Did they show you, because the, the talk, as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but the talk, as I recall, was that, you know, you were, you know, not just that you want to try something new, but you were just kind of fed up, like whether it was just Chris Paul's leadership style or just the relationship, like you were just, you know, ready to be done with them. Did they show you a different side of them or was there a different, um, you know, was something unlocked in a relationship during that um, that episode that wasn't previously there? Like, like, how were they able to convince you to stay? Now, I think that, like I said, we were very honest and open with each other. I think that it was a conversations that needed to be had between, you know, us three, between us and Doc, between us and Bomber. Um, but it was like, no what negative. was said that needed to be said? Like, what was the thing that just like, you know I, what, I that, that really you, turned it? I think when you're younger, um, you kind of keep a lot of things to yourself or you talking clicks. You know, mm-hmm. but when you get older, it's like, hey, if I have a problem with something, I'm going to go straight to this person and be like, hey, I don't like this. Um, you may not feel that it's affecting me in a certain way, but I'm not cool with this. So, like, mm-hmm. let's find a better way to communicate with each other. Or I expect mm-hmm. this out of you if you expect this out of me. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like at that point in my career, that's when I was being at my most honest because I'm very fun loving and I like to have a good time. However, I was pissed that we kept getting to a certain point and not advancing uh, to, to the next level and reaching the goals that we wanted to reach. Um, But those conversations, like I said, I'll keep those private just because like they were very private conversations, but Mm -hmm. needed to be had. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, Blake and Chris and, uh, those guys were able to have those conversations w- with each other, with me, um, mm. about those things because I feel like it brought us closer together as as, as teammates. So, want to want to fast forward a little bit, and I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask it this way: Are you more surprised that you didn't win a championship with the Lob City Clippers or the Brooklyn Nets? You've been on some mm. talented teams. Like, which one was more of a, of a surprise slash disappointment that y'all weren't able to get it done? I would say uh, the Clippers. The mm. Clippers. Just because we had so much time together in Brooklyn, it was just a couple of years, and there were so many moving pieces and parts and injuries and um, coaching changes. It was a lot. But I feel like with the Clippers team, we had um, more structure for a longer period of time. And those were the days where we all were playing like prime basketball in our career. So yeah. I was, I, I think I'm a little sad that I didn't win it there with those guys. How would you describe 
the Brooklyn experiment? Uh, it was it was exciting for me because I had just got gotten traded from Dallas, and um, you know, uh, with Kai and KD, like it was an exciting thing to do. And I knew they had like you know guys like Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, who I thought was like a really, really, really good, smart, athletic, up and coming center. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, if we can make it work, hell yeah, I would love to figure this out. And, you know, KD was obviously, excuse me, in Golden State at the time. And, uh, you know, eventually we were going to find out that he was going to, you know, tear his Achilles and all these different things. But, um, you know, talking to those guys, I was extremely excited about that opportunity. And, uh, I don't regret a, a second of being in Brooklyn with those guys because it was it was something that we were able to, you know, talk about and create and manifest and and ultimately like do. Uh, but I, I I won't say that it was a, the the experiment was a failure because I was able to play with, um, you know, two amazing future Hall of Fame players and you know friends. So it was. Uh, it, it, it was a great time, and I got to experience New York. Uh, and those fans in Brooklyn were amazing. So I thought that it was it was, it was a really fun and cool time. Yeah. Uh, just in the interest of time, you know, just kind of consolidating, because, you know, after the Clippers years, uh, you know, you had a stop in, in Dallas uh, with the Knicks. We mentioned the Nets, the Lakers, and, and, and Philly. Like, how would, you, how would you describe, I guess, that sojourn, that, you know, that – period in your career where you're kind of, where you where you're moving from from so many different teams that was very tough for me because being a guy who was with a team for 10 years I thought I was going to be with that team forever uh at that point in my career and I and I, and I love the, the Clippers um I think that uh, it made me respect and understand guys' situations who were on one-year deals for the most part of their careers having to uproot their families, uproot their kids from places. Um, I mean, moving furniture, moving in general is, is, is hard in general. Um, but I may, uh, it made me appreciate my teammates who were on one-year deals and things like that. But it, it was tough for me because I'm like, man, I'm not used to being on a different team every year. Like it just, it, it, it was a, it was a strange, bizarre feeling for me. Um, but the teams that I was on, like I had familiarity with, with Doc when I went to Philly. So that was fine. Um, and then when I went to the Lakers, it was a very weird time just because I was like, man, I'm, I played with the Clippers for so long and, you know, I hated the Lakers when I was with the Clippers. So (laughs) just didn't make, you know, it was weird, but it was, you know, at the time I felt like it was a great situation to be able to play with guys like LeBron, AD, Russ, who's a really, really, really good friend of mine. Um, and all of these other players who was on this team, and you know, uh, and it, 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 so it was it was fun because I had experiences or uh, old teammates on teams or guys who I would have loved to play with at that time. Um, but when I finally got to Denver, um, it, it, it felt it felt right. And how did how did those years kind of shape? And you, you alluded to it just now, but I'll ask you just more more directly. Like, how did they shape the teammate and the leader that you are now and would be for the eventual world champion Nuggets? Like, 
In other words, like, did you have to make all those stops and go through all that at change and experience all that change, those different settings and locker rooms and circumstances and, you know, disappointments, you know, shoe size, you know, too big for KD, you know what I mean? Arnold Schultz, you know, been in the conference finals that year. Like, all those different things you went through, how did that get you to the person and the, and the teammate that you are now and that you were for Denver this season? Well, I think my entire career I've been very vocal, uh, and I owe a lot of that to uh, Marcus Camby uh, because he was a guy who I remember would tell me that, hey, you got to memorize every team's plays, communicate them to your teammates. So that helped me be more vocal, and then it also in turn helped me be more vocal in the locker room. Um, So I feel like all my career I've been able to do that, but I was able to do it different ways, like as a starter, as an all-star, as these different things, and then as a guy coming off the bench, and then the guy that didn't play a lot, and then to a guy who was like, you know, strictly in situational uh, times during the games. Um, But it definitely helped me be able to be the voice of reason during these times on different locker rooms that I was in. And uh, for some reason, guys responded to it, and they respected it. So I felt like I needed to do it more to uh, to help our teams uh, excel. Yeah. Um, the Joker, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you play with a lot of superstars, you know. Right. Uh, like, what is he like from the inside? <laughs> Nicola is uh, an extremely... Uh, talented, smart, dominant ball player. Um, But he's also a very funny, selfless, caring human. Um, He is like one of the most selfless and and, uh, low maintenance superstars that I've ever been around. And it's it's crazy to to think about that because Mm -hmm. uh, the accomplishments and um, the things that he's done in our league it's it, 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 it's amazing that he's like oh I don't care whatever you guys want to do I don't, I'm not picky blah 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 you know and it, it it's it's just fun to be around and when the best player on your team is like that everybody else there can be no room for selfishness on a team or guys are bigger than the team and um, and it's different because I I think we all have to keep a little bit of our egos because that's what got us here and that's what keeps us competitive but. Mm-hmm. Uh, ego to where you think that you're bigger than the team. That's not anywhere on that team because I think it starts with him. So when you look at the, you know, you play with LeBron, AD, KD, you know, Harden, CP3, Blake, all these different people. What does Nicola have in common with? Sorry, what does Nicola have in common with them, and what sets him apart from them? I think that their athleticism is all pretty much the same. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, about that. I don't know a lot of people would have said that. No. Oh, that was sar- oh, sarcasm. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't yeah, pick that, it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I think that Nicola is, um, he's just, man, he's different. Like those guys, I, I don't even think you can compare their, all of their greatness. And hmm. because they, they all do something that is, you know, has, has made them who they are on the floor. However, just to see it night in and night out from a center is crazy like for our center to you know at times lead us in points rebounds assists um his assist to turnover ratio like it's it's insane and i think that you know also nicola could 
have 50 points every night if he wants to, but uh, he makes the right basketball play every time, whether it be, hey, I'm getting double teamed and MPJ is open, this is the right play. I need to make this play to him. Um, and he's like, okay, they're doubling me tonight. Tonight I got to pass. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to do whatever the game is, is, is telling me I need to do. And that, I think that that is, you know, he could force shots. He could get his, you know, get his points and be done with it. But I think that, um, him wanting everybody else to succeed and, um, our, our team win at the end of the day. And he kind of has a, Brother, I don't care. I just want to win. Attitude. I think that that is <laughs> that's great, man. That's that's rare. Well, everybody talk about they want to get to know him, and you know he doesn't have personality. Y- y'all just had to get him to the to the to the parade. Y'all just had to get him a championship for him mm-hmm. to let his hair down because he looked like mm-hmm. he was lit. Like he, he looked uh, like he had a good old time. <laughs> hey, is a is a fun guy to be around, man. He is he's extremely funny. He, he got jokes. Um, he, he dances like he, he, Nicola's a great guy, man. And I think that, um, you know, you only get a glimpse of that in interviews when he wants, when he decides, like, I'm going to be funny tonight. Um, because that's like nonstop in the locker room on the bus. When we go to team yeah. dinners, um, that's, that's just his personality, but it's, it's, it's funny how he can turn it and like give you nothing, you know? <laughs> and I think that that yeah. is. That's that's something that he does on purpose because I think he wants to keep those things separate. Um, but it's good. I'm, I'm as long as as long as he's him his funny self in the locker room when he's around us. I'm cool with it. So like we saw him throw Jamal Murray in the pool, hmm. um, and we saw you know some of the highlights from the parade. Like what was your best Nicola moment post championship? Like during the celebration, did you have did you have any any uh? Any moments that stood out to you just watching him take it all in? Uh, man, you know what? The parade was a blur. Um, mm. they <laughs> I saw you get off the fire truck. Yeah. I, yeah, I was, get on, on, the, the, you I was were, on the police. You were a man of the people. At some point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, I mean, it was a blur just because I was so excited and there were a lot of liquid beverages on our floats. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was very, very fun. But I remember in the locker room, uh, you know, Nicola is a very big individual, so he wants to pick people up all the time. Uh-huh. So yeah. that pouring champagne all over each other, like that was just, I'll never forget that moment, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. seeing those things, you know, other guys, other teams experience that moment and just to be in it yourself, it was, it was great. But we had a great, great time. Uh, hmm. And we brought Serbian party ways to those times. That, that smile says it all. Like you've you had <laughs> champagne before, you've had cigars before, but like how good does that champagne and cigars taste in, in in that locker room and in that celebration? It's sweet. It is. It tastes like heaven, man. It's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's great. It's uh, I remember posting something, I was like, never would I have thought that I would love the fact that my hair smells like champagne and cigar smoke. <laughs> but yeah. it was it's, it's it's the best because I when you, when you know like, oh man, I was in this place all night, oh and I smell like this. But if right. I know that my hair smells like cigar smoke and champagne because I just won an NBA title with my brothers, 
I would yeah. embrace that. Walk around like, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, this is it. Uh, so, yeah, that moment, it was amazing. Um, speaking of people that are like, and I knew he was sarcastic from press conferences. Um, Michael, Michael Malone, like that's, that's my coach now. Like he, he's my, like, like his performance, he was the MVP. Nikola Jokic might've been the MVP of the finals. Michael Malone was the MVP of the parade as far as I was concerned. Yeah, <laughs> I, I look at him in a whole different yeah. light now. We're getting him a trophy made, man. He was in rare form. And I think that, you know, it's that Irish blood, man. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was in rare form, man. He he had a chain on, hat to the side, glasses. He was just we go like run that, that shit back. We run that yeah, shit back. I yeah, was like, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah, man, like, that was crazy. Like, and I, my voice is just now starting to come back to me. Uh, everybody else, like we, nobody had voices, so it was just yeah. we did it the right way. And I think that coach was just embracing that moment, man, because for a lot of us, that was our first time doing that. The only person yeah. that had done. It was KCP, and you know, not to say that his time in the bubble wasn't special, but he didn't get a chance to do a parade. He didn't get a chance That's to. True. You know, so, like, I feel like we all experienced that thing for the first time, and it was we were like kids in a candy store, including the coaches, and like, nope, we whatever anybody wanted to do, we embraced it because it's like, hey, man, like this is our moment. We're on the top of this pinnacle. We're in, on this stage. Let it rip. Speaking of coach, I, I think I read where he, he wanted you to join the summer league coaching staff. You going to take him up on that? Uh, I may go out there for a game or so. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to coach just yet. My patience isn't there. Okay. Just. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cause I was going to say, DJ, like I saw a picture of you and you were standing up you, and it just, I, 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 it said coach. The picture, mm. the image of you just, I was like, I mean, like he, looked, he looked like a coach. The way you, it's just the way you were standing. I've, I've heard that a ton. I, <laughs> I think I need some, some practice. I, I may go out there with the guys for a game or two just to kind of like, you know, do what I do when I'm playing, give pointers, mm. give tips, and just be in the huddles a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready and qualified at, at this moment. Do you still feel like you have more to accomplish as a player? I'm still competitive about the game, and I still want to be able to contribute. Um, and who wouldn't want to continue to play this game that we're playing? It's it's amazing. So uh, I'm just taking yeah. it a day at a time right now. Staying in the moment. And, and on that, I, I do want to end on just on a personal note. Like I, I've enjoyed uh, reading about um, – just your spiritual journey when it comes to to Buddhism and and uh, you know how 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 often and frequently you meditate. I want to ask you specifically about uh, how your Brown University con- contemplative studies program is going. Uh, it's going well. I'm uh, not taking summer school at the moment for obvious reasons uh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to be celebrating all summer. <laughs> uh, but it's going well, man. <laughs> it's going well, man. I, I, I joined the program back in 2020. Um, I'm obviously not taking a full course load because of my regular nine to five job won't allow me to do that. And still, but um, I'm still taking courses. I'm learning from some of the smartest and greatest professors in the world and um, learning from a lot of my peers 
Um, my classmates are amazing. Uh, a lot of them have, you know, congratulated me on my success. A few of them have come up to games. Um, so it's Brown has been nothing short of amazing for me at the, for the time that I've been there. It's, it's a true community and, um, I'm very happy to have been, uh, accepted and I'm learning a, a, a ton at the moment. And, um, I'll, I'm, I'm excited to learn, but I'm also excited to, for the day that I accomplished my goal and, and, and graduate. And we went through your professional journey. Where are, where is DeAndre Jordan on his personal, mental, spiritual journey? Man, um, I've been at peace for a long time, but I think that it's, um, I think that's why they call it a practice because you're forever working on it. And I, and I, and I take that, Highly, I think that um, it, it helps with on-court issues, the roller coasters and emotions of our game, the stressors of life. Um, you know, having two boys, you know, is who are, are running around all the time, and I, I, I think that it, it's it's important to just kind of pause and take a second, just to have a second, um, and that that is that is something that has helped me um, over the last eight years or so throughout my life and my journey. Yeah. And what you got on for this? You say you're celebrating all summer. What's the plan? Um, a lot of golf, um, a lot of guitar lessons, and uh, a lot of whatever my boys want to do. Probably pool. Uh, we've yeah. been in the pool quite a bit since I've been home. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying some personal time and then family time, too. Well, whatever you're going to do, DeAndre, you get to do it for the first time as a world champion. Congratulations, man. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dare I say the single best decision you made today was downloading and listening to this edition of my main man, Michael Smith, because welcome back. 
one of the best basketball minds in the business, Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo Sports, host of the Good Word with Goodwill podcast. My main man, Vincent Goodwill, is my dude. He always shows up for me, and we always show out whenever we're together on any platform. Um, Vin, good to see you, brother. First thing is, I think it's ironic that Chris Paul uh, found out that he had been traded to the Wizards from the Suns in the air because somewhere in the great beyond, David Stern is rolling over in his grave because I swear if he were here, he would have vetoed that trade for basketball reasons. Like, I, I get that Bradley Beal, you know, has a no trade clause, so he controlled the process, which I really want to hone in on him in a moment. But that was just such a L to, to give up Bradley Beal and get second round picks, pick swaps, what's left of the aforementioned Chris Paul and Landry Shaman. I mean, I guess that's the death of no trade clauses in the NBA, right? Well, A, if you believe that Chris Paul really found out that he was traded in the air, I have some swampland in downtown Detroit to sell you, okay? You don't believe you that, you, would, Michael you, Smith. Well, I mean, between the two of us, I am the more gullible. I am the more naive. Uh, yeah. That's, trust I mean, me, that's not, you, trust you, me, that is not, that is not the case at all. Believe you me, but go ahead. Go ahead and cook. Wait, but you you think he went on Good Morning America, and, and why why would he say that for sympathy? Like, why, why would yes, he lie? he's selling a book, and Chris Paul had an axe to grind with Matt Ishbia and maybe Isaiah Thomas. Like, if you remember, let's just go back. Remember when the Robert Sarver stuff happened initially, right? And there was talk of him selling the team. Didn't he buddy buddy up with the president? of Disney, Bob Iger, who people believe was going to be in line to buy this franchise, right? Right? And then you get Matt Ishbia coming in, who is someone you don't know, and you you don't have the potential sway that you would have had have someone else purchased the franchise. And then you have another Hall of Fame point guard who is in that orbit. Come on, man. And plus, Chris Paul knew with Chris Paul knew last week that he was going to be traded or moved when the whole thing with uh, Chris Haynes came out and said that uh, his future wasn't going to be with the Phoenix Suns. So it's all minutia. It is all to me a little bit I, of narrative making, strumming the violin from Chris Paul. <laughs> I'm not saying that he didn't know that his time in Phoenix was short, if not up. I mean, that writing had been on the wall as well as the Internet. And then even Frank Vogel came back to him. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to coaching Chris Paul. We're like, wait, I thought he was waived. It was, it was all very confusing. But who among us has not been in the air frustrated because for some reason the Wi-Fi isn't working, you know, and it's a long flight. You know, who knows? Maybe he connected. It might have even been a longer journey from the West Coast all the way to New York to promote the aforementioned book. And, I mean, I, come on, man. Like, plenty of times you find out stuff in the air Michael, Especially, Michael, bro, Michael. The NBA Michael, moves quickly. Michael. I bet you knew about this particular. He said he had talked to James Jones, and James Jones said, you're not getting traded. The NBA moves so fast, and you're at the forefront of this. You probably knew about this before Chris Paul did. I actually Michael, believe my man. He does not Michael, need more people. Do you, 
Michael, do you think this man is on a regular plane? Do you think he's on Spirit Airlines? Do you think he's on Soul Plane? Do you think he's even on Delta or Southwest? Or do you think this man is on a state-of-the-art private jet where you better damn well for sure have Wi-Fi? Your Wi-Fi is acting up, but my son's Wi-Fi is okay. have Have you been on a private jet before? Absolutely not. Do I look like Bow Wow to you? I you don't, you don't remember the Bow Wow thing where he was purportedly on a PJ and then he just happened to be on a regular ass flight. You remember that thing that he put <laughs> no, up two years ago? Where he was, I didn't, where he, I didn't, where he was I didn't get that reference. But uh, I not to not to flex, but I just so happened to have recently been on a private jet and not for the first time. A friend of mine gave me a ride, uh, and it was lovely, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and it and it was a nice jet. It was shout out to NetJets. It was a nice jet. But for some reason, the Wi-Fi wasn't working, so I was off the grid and incommunicado for, you know, an hour so or how's, so. So how's, so how's Lil' Chris, or we might be able to call him Big Chris, because he might be taller than his daddy at this point. How about Lil' Chris? He was on the flight, too? How was he on the flight able to find out? So he was on the flight? Big Chris. I believe so. I believe that's the way that the story was told. Chris Paul just... Oh, okay. Chris Paul. Chris Paul is very smart. And he knows exactly what he's he is doing. Slick. He, he knows, is crappy. I like Chris. Exactly. I like Chris. He is. Cl- he is. So this this is this is this is like Chris doing a little dirty stuff that he do on the court. This is the PR equivalent of that. Is what you're telling me? This is the yeah. you know Julius Hodge or throwing the ball off or, or you know running up on Demarcus Cousins or whatever the case may be. This is all of that. This is myth making. Okay. And it, here's the thing. If he's saying that he was owed a phone call from Matt Ishbia, who's the owner. Okay. Yes. Okay, fine. And 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 as an owner, you don't make the trade call. The GM makes the trade call. You know, no matter what well, the well, owner decides. Well, 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 who's the GM? Is it James Jones? Is it Isaiah Thomas behind wow, the scenes? All I know is CP3 looked like he was about to cry. <laughs> telling this story on GMA. So maybe acting in, is in his future. Shout out to my man, CP3. Okay, so Vinny Goodwill calls bullshit on CP3's story. Speaking of bullshit, second round picks, pick swaps, what's left of Chris Paul. <laughs> it's like, it's like why I, I get, so let's start with the Wizards perspective on this. I get okay. that they, you know, I guess felt like they needed to make the first move because Damian Lillard might have been in play or whatever, but it's like, why why rush if that's what you're going to end up with? If you're going to end up with a hot pile of shit in return for a top, I don't know, 40, maybe 30 player at this point in Bradley Beal, why, the worst that could happen is he comes back and you continue to pay him to not make the playoffs. Like, why not wait and see how things play out before making this trade instead of, instead of settling for that? Because you, here's the thing. We have get, got on the Washington Wizards. Gary Carter's Washington Wizards. We have gotten on them for years, for decades, for not pushing the reset button, for not completely blowing it up and making their intentions known, right? Yeah, you can still be bad with Bradley Beal, but you're not going to be as bad as you need to be to get into the Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes or whoever the next hotshot prospect is. Plus, you're paying him $50 million to not fill up your building, to not play games, and then when you do play, you're not winning. So, yeah, you get rid of this as quick as possible. And here's the other thing. There's a time mark 
on this because of the new luxury tax rules and second April okay, and everything else, like all the all the minutia of the CBA that's really boring. But essentially, yeah. it behooves the teams that are big spenders if you are going to make moves because it's going to be the rules like are Phoenix. going to be moved in incrementally over the next two mm. years. It behooves mm. you to make these moves before the NBA draft, before free agency, because the new rules take a hold on June thirtieth. Right? So you okay? June thirtieth is free agency now, pretty yep. essentially, but all intents and purposes, same thing. So it behooves yep. you to basically make these moves as soon as possible. And if you're the Washington Wizards, do you want DeAndre Ayton when you may not know if he decides to show up and play that day and he's making $32 million? Or are no, you I saying, meant, you know what? I meant Let's hold blow and it see if another team up. want to do it. No, I, I'm, no, I'm, wants I'm to take with Bradley Bill's money. I'm with, I'm with blowing Bill's it up money? and let somebody else pay it. I don't know, somebody. Okay, because here's – okay, now I want to look at Bradley Bill's with, you know – Funny as well. I want to look at him with a side eye as well because, okay, reportedly um, there were offers from not only the Suns but also the Heat and the Bucks. Bradley Beal was driving his bus because of this no-trade clause. But if you're Bradley Beal, why Phoenix? Why would you go to a team and, and make worse the situation that cost them in the playoffs against eventual champion Denver? It was so top-heavy, so duplicative in many respects. So, yeah, you – um, Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant, all y'all can get buckets. If it was a, if it was the big three tournament, if it was Ice Cube's tournament, you're probably gonna win this thing. But unfortunately, they got no role players, no defense. How are they gonna fill out the rest of the roster because of all the limitations you pointed out from this new CBA? Why not go to Miami? That was just in the finals. If you're Bradley Beal, why did you choose Phoenix? Maybe, just maybe, the Heat didn't put forth. A, a real effort at this. Maybe just maybe the Miami Heat are holding their chips for a bigger fish. Did you ever think about that? No, I did. Maybe. No, so I totally maybe, did. Maybe Bradley Bill ain't built for Heat culture. And maybe Bradley Bill well, ain't built for that. Milwaukee winners. Maybe and maybe okay. he wanted to go play with KD and play with Devin Booker and he didn't want to mess around in Milwaukee. Look, man. I don't know well, about okay, you. Enjoy Smith. the second round exit. Black. That's fine. Enjoy the second round exit. <laughs> so, I agree. If, I agree. But black, but black folks are tropical people. So if there's a chance to get into some warm weather, <laughs> you might wind up doing it. And if there's a chance to play with says Kevin Detroit's Vinnie Goodwill to a man that lives in Connecticut. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's my code. Detroit is my code. I don't want nobody else's code. I'll take my mm -hmm. code. This is the code that I grew up in. But I'm not going and living in somebody else's cold ass right. city. You're not choosing That's to why go live that, in a, Okay. Fair enough. Come on, man. So I, and, I, and here's the thing. And this is not me being funny. But um, does Bradley Beal know what a winner looks like? That that there's all good humors rooted in truth. So no, you're absolutely right. You know, because if winning was that important, he'd have been up out of DC a long time ago. So clearly, he marches to the beat of his own drummer, or just has his own set of priorities, which or maybe he was just loyal. Ours, he which just, is, which is fine. Or maybe he was just loyal to. He wanted to stay with the franchise that where he was the guy. He was in charge, and we talk about oh, he guys just to get paid. bouncing around all the. He, and he wanted to get paid, and we we talk about guys bouncing around all the time, and then when a guy mm -hmm. stays, we crack on him too. So we get we as a basketball community, as a basketball we media, make up our mind. sometimes we definitely want we to make ways. up our minds. We want to both we definitely ways. want it both ways. Okay, which we brings want, us we, to... We want, we want Jacqueline, we want Jacqueline, and we want uh, Angela all at the same time. Oh, that was a uh, wait and exhale. 
right? No. Wait, that what? No. Wait. No. Oh, no, that's, that's Boomerang. That's Boomerang. That's Boomerang. Yes, I'm sorry. Boomerang. Yes. Jacqueline, Angela, love should have brought you home last night. So how did I mess? It's, it's still early for me. I, you, your references, are they're coming too fast. I, my mind isn't firing yet. Um, so, okay, you're saying that maybe Miami didn't really make a push, as much of a push. I mean, I, it, it's not hard to outdo the offer that, you know, Phoenix put forth. But okay. That's true. It's it's not hard. They didn't make enough of a push because maybe they were holding out for uh, the two in the bush as opposed to the bird in hand. The two in the bush being potentially Damian Lillard. Speaking of guys that's been too loyal for too long. And, you know, it's funny you say as NBA observers and fans and media, we want it both ways. Like we criticize guys for being too loyal and not winning. But then guys that hop around and want to form these super teams, we, you know, we criticize them as well. It seems like Damian Lillard is opposite of that. Like he wanted both ways. It's like he wants to be wanted and wants to be the center of the discussion in the NBA and speculated about. But at the end of the day, he ain't trying to go nowhere. And it's almost like, and I've said this, I, I fall into that trap because Damian Lillard has managed to to craft a level of credibility that players who have moved on and won, like a Kevin Durant, won't have. Like you know, it's just. Damian Lillard seems people seem to fuck with Damian Lillard in a weird way where he doesn't get criticism for not having won or not having tried to win because it's like I'm I'm going to be the opposite of this trend. I'm not going to go and and try to form a super team or or, or or go and join another team. Like if I don't get it done here, I'm just not going to get it done and I'll be Reggie Miller. I'll be a modern day Reggie Miller or something like that. How how likely is it? And I often fear that we're wasting oxygen talking about the potential of a Damian Lillard trade every offseason, every regular season, how likely is it that this time around it finally happens as we come up on the draft where that third pick for Portland is going to be super critical whether the Blazers can move it and bring in another star along with Anthony Simons, move it, or, I mean, whether it's Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, I don't know if that's enough to keep him there. How likely is it that now is the time where Damian Lillard has finally moved? Well, part of it is, I think it's it's like multifaceted here, and I think it's really fascinating. And I think you sort of laid out the reasons, but let's let's expound upon it a little bit. Everybody likes to be wanted. Like I remember a woman yeah. telling me this, a woman telling me this when we were first like starting to get to know each other, and I would downplay interest from other women, and I'd be like, Nah, ain't nobody really. You know what I mean? Ain't ain't nobody really out there like that. I'm I'm kicking. I'm just working. Da, 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 da. Me. Yeah. And she, yeah. Right. And she was like, baby, don't nobody want nobody that don't nobody else want. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> now, I didn't change my get down immediately because I felt like that was the trap. But mm-hmm. you take that into account. If you are the Portland Trailblazers or if you're a so Damian Lillard. Hold on, hold on, hold on, you, hold on. Before, before, before mm-hmm. you, before you you know, connect those two things. Please tell me you stayed with her, if not still with her. Because that sounds like a keeper. Oh, I would love to tell you that, but that didn't happen. We, we, that's a conversation for another day. Remember the, remember the phrase, you're not going to always get your lick back. Remember Uh that phrase I I said to you that, that might very well apply to her, but we did get together. That was probably the most serious relationship I had. I, so I mean, she, she sounded like she just had a good head on her shoulders. Damian Lillard, you were saying. Or, or, she, or <laughs> she was slick like Chris Paul. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 to the point of Dame, Dame talks all this stuff about loyalty, and I do believe that is like him. I don't think that's a ploy. I don't think that's mm-hmm. him trying to get more money out of Portland. But at the same time, people can sleep on you. People can assume that you because you said you'll always be there, that you're going to always be there. And you have to, at times, put pressure on a franchise who has not been into the playoffs the last few years, who said, we're going to build through the draft. I ain't got time to build through the draft. Remember that bad song that uh, I hate, that bad wedding song that I hate? Mm-hmm. We ain't mm-hmm. getting no younger. We might as well do this. Might as well do That's it. the stage that Damian Lillard is in right now. I ain't getting no younger. We might as well do this. Either we going for it or you trade me. And I think that's the that's the point that Portland is at right now. If they keep the pick and they select one of these 19-year-olds on top of some of the young pieces you had. I remember they took Shaden Sharp last year. You got Anthony yeah. Simons already in the fold who is believed that they're offering. You can't win with 19-year-olds and an older Damian Lillard. Like, he can't stay great enough, long enough for those babies to mature and grow up and be something. So if they trade the pick, all right, cool. I'll stay. You know what I mean? But if, if, if y'all trying to play me and y'all trying to build for the future and not trying to maximize my prime, y'all taking me for granted, then, yeah, I'll say, man, I love to play with Mikael Bridges. Or, yeah, I love to be in Miami if they're going to trade me. It just feels like, it feels like to me, Nobody wants to say, okay, it's time for this relationship to end. Now, I know you've been in a spot like that before where a relationship needs to end, but nobody wants to be the first person to say Oh, I, that's, that's Gladys Knight. Neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye. That, that's, 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 your, that's Motown right there, baby. But no, my thing is like, and, it's, and I love Dame. I really do. But this is Dame wanting it both ways because, again, you get the, the credibility. You get the props. You, you know, you get the, you know, um, to be different, dare to be different in, in, in this day and age, like, you know, wanting to take the stairs and not the elevator by staying in Portland and saying all the right things, but your name is constantly in the mix. And every year we talk about, you know, is he going to want to trade? And I think it does feel good to him to be, there's something also it, in, in this media environment that we're in this NBA Twitter environment, there's something to being the hypothetical. There is something to be in because yes. it's like there's no downside yes. to that. There is no downside mm-hmm. to, man, if they traded for Damian Lillard or if Damian Lillard went here or if Damian Lillard had ever gone here or done this, that, and the other, what would he be? Like there is no failure involved in that. Like Kevin Durant has all the failures, even though he's been a champion several times or a couple of times with Golden State. Kevin Durant has a super team in Brooklyn on his resume. He is about to have a super team in Phoenix that fails on his resume. Same with James Harden. They've all moved around searching for that thing that they couldn't find. Whereas Damian Lillard. You just said a super team that fails. I like that. You calling your shot now. That team ain't. Like Phoenix, that team ain't winning. We know that. Like, like I, I, Listen, I'm done betting on super teams to win. You know, I like, they ain't fooling me again. You know, those big threes, I, I got to see it to believe it that that's the new thing. Or, or at least the, not the, I need the, the homegrown big threes is one thing. You know, the, the more right. homegrown. <clears throat> and by more homegrown, I'm talking right. about. Golden State before, or even Milwaukee. I know they traded for Drew Holiday, but I'm looking at Giannis and Middleton, and then adding Drew Holiday. It's a little different for me. This this just feels like it's destined to fail. A lot of it because of the reason we talked about. They got no depth, but there is no downside from a reputation standpoint for Damian Lillard staying in Portland and letting the speculation carry the day, as opposed to actually going somewhere and losing. Because my thing about Portland is this: like realistically, Vin. Who they going to get 
that's going to make them an actual contender in the Western Conference at this point. Like, the number three pick in this draft and Anthony Simons gets you what? And how much does that get you closer to Denver and Golden State? And hell, even Phoenix for that matter. Like, even if he if he does stay, like, we know how this movie ends. Okay. <clears throat> I have a counter for you. You said who could get them yeah. closer. Yeah. I, I'll just give you an outline. A man in a Burberry shirt. A man in a Burberry shirt. All right, I don't understand what that means. Now, what I'm is sorry. a? You don't know a Burberry. You know what a Burberry shirt symbolizes I know, when you I see a man the, in a Burberry shirt. No, he 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 and someone else is matching Burberry shirts. No, Michael Smith is having a slow moment, y'all. I'm talking about Zion Williamson. Burberry shirts, oh, no, baby oh, shower. Oh no 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 no. See, if that was a Zion reference, maybe just I know the brand. That Burberry, was a Zion reference. And, Okay, no, I'm not. It's not okay. For, <laughs> the reason I didn't pick up what she was putting down is because I'm tired of that story. She who shall not be named was added again this morning, and every time I see Zion Williamson trending, I be thinking, "Oh shit, some, that ain't why he trending." So if you ask me about Zion and you ask me about that situation, I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing but about. But I'm not that. talking about her. What he, I'm talking about. I'm talking about what he was wearing got a baby in a picture. What, uh, yeah, I'm just saying yeah, when people I, announced they got a when baby showers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe, maybe they have that's, Burberry maybe that's shirts on black. baby showers. Is that what it is? Yeah, something. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have okay, but okay, but before we get to Zion and why he would help Damian Lillard get where he's never gone before, let me explain to you mm-hmm. why that didn't hit beyond the Zion of it all. My kids is 17, 15, and damn near 11. <laughs> We wasn't announcing shit on Twitter and Instagram when my kids was born, okay? It wasn't it wasn't around when my kids was born. I'm old, dog. I'm an old head. So you're telling me about the trends and, and, the, and the pink and the blue balloons and shit and the viral videos and people announcing they – we ain't do that. Like, you know, we just like, yo, what we having? You having a boy? You having a girl? Whatever. Is it healthy? That's it. We just had the baby, you know, and people came over old school. This, this baby announcement thing, which – spark this whole online nightmare that we're all living every day. If we dare log on to Twitter and the algorithm figures out what is for you. And it tells you that you're interested in Zion. So you see Zion tweeting, or you again, see she who shall not be named her name to uh, uh, trending. You need a then you get sucked a into hook. a vortex. You, you, su- you get sucked into something that you don't want to be sucked into. So that's why I didn't connect the trend of a baby announcement with that particular player because I've tried to stay as far away from that shit as I possibly could because I got enough drama in my life. And But anyway. So let me let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this Design question. Is Zion getting traded to Portland? Yes, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Did, 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 did you guys know when your kids were born? Did you, did you do the, did you do like the gender thing or did not like a party? Yeah. But did y'all know? Did y'all know what y'all yeah, were having get, or did y'all like? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Just to be able to. No, no, I, I no, because we had to prepare. We had to like go ahead and you know paint the room certain colors okay. and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, no, because my so parents you, for all three of their kids they didn't know, so they were all yeah. surprised they whenever were old we school. when we that's popped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, old that's school. cool. Old school. Not that's my cool. Not my yeah. sister when she when she had her son, she had a gender reveal party, and I was and I was completely outdone. I'm like, we do gender reveal parties, like like we don't just. You know, just find out from the doctor and figure out what the hell you have and call it a day. All right, cool. I digress because I don't have kids. But here's an <laughs> analogy you can relate to because you just okay. said it with Dame. 
you a married man. You walking down the street or you at the vineyard because y'all y'all types be hanging out at the vineyards during the summer. You walking down the streets and you got your, your cargoes on, you know what I mean, and you fly, and some woman gives you the up-down. You know it ain't going nowhere. You a married man. But that don't make mm-hmm. you feel good in the moment? That'll make you tell me that'll make you feel like a million bucks when some oh, random yeah, no, still says it. something yeah. to you. I, yeah. I still got it. So that ain't yeah. what Dame doing. I still I'm, got I'm it. out here, Brett Farber. Try to see if I still got it. Can I still? Can I? Can I quote that? Don't don't. Is that okay? Don't, don't do that, I Brett. Don't do I, that because that Brett Farber might lead you in a bunch of different directions. That was a, like but that messages. was a cold ass bar from Three Stacks, and and Brett Farber out here ruining it. You know, but that was a cold ass bar. Try to I got now they got me out here, Brett Farber, and try to see if I still got it. So that's what's happening here with Dame. I think. This is just not even an educated guess. This is just it's, it's a lot. At some point, at some point, there's going to be some smoke where it turns into a fire. Because remember last mm-hmm. year, he was coming off of an injury, that abdominal injury. And people were That's saying, true. OK, is this the end of Damian Lillard? And then Dame comes back and plays like this. And, you know, he was on my all NBA ballot and everything else, despite his team looking the way that it looked. You can't keep going to this well of you know good luck and health is what i'm saying and saying okay "Okay, i'm making this type of money i'm worth this type of money and my team isn't going anywhere like at some point you're going to be on the back end of of this and the team is going to consider you not worth it look bradley beal might not be worth it he's played 90 games in the last two years and that 30 point average that he averaged in 21 and 2021 Mm -hmm. that was three years ago you know what I mean? Yeah. Like his production isn't even what it was when he led the league in scoring. It can turn very, very quickly, even for the best, most athletic players. So for Dane being six two six three, the urgency, and I'm not saying he understands it or he gets it because athletes never see it, but the urgency of the finite talent that he has, the time that he has, like Chris Paul got old overnight. You know what I mean? Like he was always hurt. Yeah. But he got old yeah. overnight. So you have yeah. to be very, very careful with fair. the leverage that you have. And if if this could very well be the best of the rest that we see of Dame Lillard. And if Miami winds up being a play or Brooklyn winds up being a play or winning in my prime while I'm still a reasonable version of myself winds up being a play, maybe now's the time to go. So, but as far as Zion we goes. We assume these dudes going to be great forever, man. But it, But as far as Zion goes. You know, like, is that, is that if I was real? Pulling, I would also, take him. But it's new. Okay. It's new Orleans trying to trade him. Cause I also thought that if correct me if I'm wrong, I thought I read where Portland's preference was actually Brandon Ingram. Or is that Charlotte's preference? I might be getting them confused. No, I think that I've, I've heard that was Portland's, or I read that was Portland's preference with mm. new Orleans. <clears throat> they just fired Zion's favorite assistant coach, Teresa Weatherspoon. They did that last week. They let her go. And it kind of went under the radar because it's an assistant coach and everything else. But you know how close in these sort of inner sanctum situations, especially for a player who's hurt. And you're likely disconnected from the locker room. You're disconnected from the coaching staff in the front office. And if you've got a coach that you've developed a relationship with, a kinship with, all those workout videos that we see Zion in, that where, you know, Zion's working himself out, working up a sweat but not playing, a lot of times, or almost every time, that's Teresa Weatherspoon. 
working him out, mm -hmm. former WNBA legend and assistant coach who was let go unceremoniously and some would say unfairly and under the radar. Maybe if maybe, maybe just maybe if you're trying to send the player out, if you're trying to upset a player enough to send him out the door, what do you do? You get rid of one of his confidants, his closest confidant, his biggest supporter, so you can grease the skids. I'm not saying I know that. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So Zion is the answer for Dame, but something's got to give in Portland. All right. We've, we've established that. All right. We talked about mm -hmm. Beal um, and the Suns being destined to fail. Sorry. Sorry to be negative. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what's going on? All right. So uh, spotted in France. Uh, was Draymond with his boy LeBron. We know they're business partners anyway. They're boys anyway. But Draymond <laughs> just, as expected, opted out of his uh, player option, and he's a free agent. Mike Dunleavy Jr. Uh, just introduced as uh, Bob Myers' successor uh, as the general manager of the Golden State Warriors. They running this back, or is Draymond? Is it is it likely that he actually leaves? Well, here's the thing. If you fancy yourself on being a contender, you can't – there's no player. It's, it's, worse, it's twofold for, these, <clears throat> for, this, for this group. It's almost, I won't say a marriage of convenience, but it's a marriage. Draymond isn't as valuable on any other roster in the NBA, and mm -hmm. Golden State can't replace him with any other collection of players. I won't say they are doomed to be together, but it looks like this is the best option for the parties involved. And when Steve Kerr – comes out and says that, you know, Draymond Green makes us a contender or whatever it is, regardless of what you hear behind closed doors, main, making that type of public declarative statement is either really Machiavellian or laying down the gauntlet to say, hey, we need this guy if we fancy ourselves on being champions. And I don't know if Draymond Green goes anywhere else, even if it's for the bag. Like, let, let's assume a team is willing to throw him, you know, an exorbitant amount of money but it's only on a short deal. Do you take mm -hmm. the short money, short big money, or do you take the long money the and security. stay in comfort? Like so, I think, so even security, though I it think might for be a, a minute, Draymond cut, thought he was leaving. You think for a minute he thought he was leaving? I think in the aftermath of all the Jordan Poole stuff, the self-inflicted Jordan Poole stuff, oh, okay. mind you. Fight who yeah. wants to fight you. I've, I've said that. I will always say, say that and stand on that. Fight who want to fight you. All right. But I think in the aftermath of that, <laughs> I do think that he questioned. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that he questioned his future. But I do also think when the lather of the playoffs come and you're getting in the emotion of it and everything else, the, the good emotions, I think he realizes, man, there's no place I'd rather be. I don't want to start over. I want to play with Steph. I want to play with Clay, assuming Clay is going to be here. I think that's what. Jordan, I mean, to say Jordan Poole. I think that's what Draymond Green wants, and I think Golden State wants that. Now, the question is, will Golden State come correct with an offer? That's what I was going to ask you. But will yes. they come, or, or will they just come with an offer that because they feel like Draymond Green isn't as valuable to anybody else, right. and the offer will reflect that? You know what I mean? Like so, it's a very tricky no, situation totally. at the bargain. So table. even a pay cut. So even a pay cut for Draymond Green sounds like you're saying it might be might be more a pay cut from Golden State might be more than what he'll command on, on the open market 
given his value to Golden State, far surpasses that to anybody else, especially at, at this age. That makes sense. But do the do they make dollars and cents for Golden State when you're talking about Poole's extension kicking in, Clay's up for an extension, supposedly they want him to take a pay cut as well. It just feels like something has to give. And call me crazy. I know they just recently opened that new building. I know, you know, they still got prime years of Steph Curry as a top five player in the NBA that they want to maximize. And it might be some obligation to this group um, to see it through or, or, or to give them another shot to contend. But it also kind of feels like it's holding on to something. You want to talk about neither one of us want to be the first to say goodbye. It's like holding on to something that, listen, if you don't want to continue to pay this tax, this, this draconian tax, if you don't want to, if you got so only so high you want to go, the last thing you should do is be invested in the old, investing this money into older, declining players and holding on to them too long. Like, is there something to be said for just letting Draymond walk and trading Jordan Poole and saying, you know what, we're going to reboot this thing with Moody and Kaminga and Steph, and you know what, we'll have the best years of Steph, almost similar to Kobe Bryant at the end, you know, where it's like, hey, you know what, you may not contend, you still box office, and, and, and we'll be competitive, but we're not going to contend, especially not at this price. Am I crazy for thinking that now might be the time to blow it up before looking back saying, damn, we should have blew it up two years ago? Let me ask you this. Do you want to risk pissing off Steph Curry? Because that's the trump card in all this. And Steph is mm-hmm. viewed as this amenable, very nice guy, go along to get along. But at his heart, that dude is a competitor. He's a killer. And he wants yeah. to win. He's a, he's a killer. And he doesn't exert pressure, you know, outwardly the way that we see the LeBrons of the world do it. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean yeah. that he doesn't want it. And I think if you if you mess around with that, <clears throat> just because he's under contract doesn't mean he wouldn't ask out. And that building mm-hmm. exists on the off the water and the party that's there every night. That building exists brick by brick on Stephen Curry's back. And no you may not owe anybody else, but you damn sure owe him. Yeah. All right. Uh, you mentioned LeBron. So much for retirement, I guess. And this the game that Please him and Kyrie was playing. Was, well, not just that. Nobody bought that. Uh, you know, Kyrie was try, was going to get him to Dallas. That little, remember that for that that was that was nice for a day. That little game they was trying yeah. to play, mm-hmm. trying to leverage the Lakers into mm-hmm. making a move for Kyrie, who who seems to have only Dallas interested in him. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on Kyrie. You could just confirm that for me, yes or no. Like, it's, does anybody else want Kyrie other than Dallas right now? I mean, Dallas and LeBron. We didn't think. (laughs) Here's the thing. All it takes is one, right? And we didn't think that anybody wanted Kyrie when Kyrie torched Brooklyn on the way out. And then here comes Dallas. So there's always going to be a team that is seduced by the talent. You know what I mean? Or desperate enough. Like this is, we're Mm going to come up on desperate season. You know what I mean? In a minute where... As great as Denver is, I don't think that there's teams that are falsely. I think there's teams that's falsely saying, hey, man, we can get there. I, th- I don't think yeah, Denver's going Phoenix. anywhere, but I think there's teams saying, see, exactly. I think there's teams saying we can get there. We're not that far away. So whether the Lakers are the only other outside 
team that can absorb a Kyrie Irving, that's still a team. And he's still pretty damn valuable to Dallas because if you're Dallas, you can't lose Kyrie Irving for nothing because every year you're on the hook for the future of Luka Doncic. Yeah. So basically what do the Lakers do? Is, is, it, is it Chris Paul once, you know, his situation is resolved uh, with Washington? If Washington can't find somebody to, take, to trade for him, then might have to buy him out. He's a free agent, seems to be ticketed for the Lakers if that's the case. Like, how did the Lakers, you know, it was a great story. They figured it out. They had that conference finals run. But how do they retool within <laughs> reason? It doesn't seem like it's going to be Kyrie Irving. Is, it, is the answer Chris Paul? I mean, here, here's the question I have for you. Who's a better player right now when you consider age and injury and reliability, Chris Paul or Kyrie Irving? Right now. Do I have to? Like, I mean, honestly, I don't want to pay either one of them, if I'm being honest, but I would rather pay Chris Paul, whether it's the veteran minimum or or whatever it is that he would command or that he would accept going to L.A., I'd rather pay him that amount for whatever he's going to give me than invest in what Kyrie's going to demand and bring those problems on board. Like, well, here's the other thing. Well, here's the I, other I just, thing about I, just, I, just don't, I want no parts it, of Kyrie Irving. I get it. I totally get it. Here's the other thing about Chris Paul. If it's a battle between Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul, players are often, and this is what I mean by LeBron, players are often tied by what they've experienced before. LeBron feels like I can handle Kyrie Irving, and we've won a championship mm-hmm. together. That's fair. He doesn't have that level of, of basketball equity with Chris Paul. He has relationship equity with Chris Paul. They're boys, but Chris Paul's 38 years old. And yeah. I said this on my podcast the other day. There's no archetype for a 38-year-old point guard in the NBA. Magic Johnson was retired twice by the age of 36. Isaiah retired at 33. Jason Kidd was 40 plus, but Jason Kidd was a bigger point guard. He wasn't six foot nothing. John Stockton is really the only one. And John Stockton wasn't playing heavy minutes past the age of 36 or 35, if I remember correctly. And damn sure wasn't playing championship level basketball. So if you're LeBron and you want to bring on Chris Paul, what other contingencies do you have to do to compensate for bringing up Chris Paul in the games that you're going to miss, the games that AD is going to miss, the games that Chris Paul are going to miss. You need to bring in yeah. some a little bit more health certainty there and hope that he stays upright in April and May. But he didn't stay upright yeah, but, this but, year. He didn't stay Kyrie really upright games. last year. He, he wore For down. one reason or another. Absolutely. Either by choice or by circumstance, Kyrie going to miss games. Kyrie going to just... I'd I'd rather the risk of Chris Paul than the baggage of Kyrie any day, not to mention what they got to invest financially and in terms of whatever they got to trade Dallas, hypothetically, to get Kyrie um, in in L.A. A couple more things. He's a free agent, so he can go. go. So he can go. So he can go wherever he wants. But wouldn't it be a – it probably be like a sign. Wouldn't it be a sign and trade? It wouldn't be a sign and trade, though? I don't – I don't – I don't know that Dallas would just – I don't know that he'd just walk out the door. Doesn't have to be okay. You know more about that than I do. I'd have, um, to, I'd, have to, I'd have to check into the CBA mechanisms and stuff like that. You you kind of stumped me on that one. My bad. Okay. Uh, Harden, I'm confused about Harden. <clears throat> Again, a dude that you know. <laughs> I don't know what he wants. 
Uh, and I'm not even sure why teams want him. Now, granted, I get he's still capable in the regular season. Didn't he lead the league in assists this year or at least assists per game? Uh, but none of that But none of that matters. Yeah, but, that, but none of that matters, right? Because all we know is that he came and went in the playoffs. Um, so I thought he was going to go back to Houston because it's comfortable. Now I'm seeing that it might be Philadelphia, uh, not at Doc's out of the picture. Where's Harden end up? It don't matter wherever you end up, he ain't going to win. Like, if we calling our shots now, nah. like, this is a dude I mean, that know, has like, rolled up you. in the playoffs every goddamn year, y'all. Every year. Yeah. He has come up shorter in big games more times than anybody this side of Carl Malone. Period, point blank. For him to be a quote-unquote historic player and for him to be going into the Hall of Fame and an MVP and everything else, Name me his signature playoff moment in the game that meant the damn. Because I can't think of one. I can think yeah. of meltdowns. I can think of no-shows. I can think of 12 turnovers in closeout games. I can think of, you know, three of 17s in closeout games. I can think of him quitting going to Philadelphia 76ers. But it would be so Philadelphia-like, Michael Smith. It would be so Daryl Morey-like to go and look at it and say, you know what? This problem ain't the roster. This problem was Doc Rivers. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to find themselves in the same spot this time next spring. Because for whatever reason, also, Joel Embiid don't get no great made movies. Okay? Right? And, and <laughs> James Harden has taken some bullets for that. But James Harden's yeah. made movies ain't, well, Joel Embiid's made movies ain't great. And James Harden's made mm -mm. movies ain't great. So who you mean to tell me? You mean, I'm approach the witness like a hostile witness. You mean to tell me, Michael Smith? That a team whose two best players routinely come up short in critical playoff situations, that automatically turns around. Joel Embiid is about to enter year 10. Harden is, Harden's resume is written. Dudes don't change that anymore. Either you a big game player or you're not. Or you're not. And it looks right. to me like neither one of those guys are big game players and the Philadelphia 76ers are not a serious franchise. I said this about five flame outs ago that some dudes are just made to entertain us from November to March or April. You know what I mean? It's just like that. And that's what April. Harden is mm -hmm. like Hard Harden is just a dude that's just made to be great, you know, in the regular season. And, and, and that, and that's, and and that's wasn't it. even great. And wasn't he, he even was great, great in the regular. In like, the reg oh, that last year. Or you mean in general? No, no. Last, I mean, last year. Oh, I got you. No, but I mean in general, Ooh, he's been, like his he's he's been a, he's an all time great player for the regular season. We 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 agree on on who he is and and definitely who he isn't. Who he isn't. You, my friend, are the man. I appreciate you. Thank you for falling through. Thank you for holding it down. Thank you for the knowledge, uh, and the laughs, uh, and the references. Uh, and let's have some offline conversation about the one that you let get away. You supposed to be the close. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am, and I couldn't. That's Vince of Goodwill with the good word. Follow him on, on social media. Read him on Yahoo. Download, subscribe to, and give five stars to the good word with Goodwill podcast. Appreciate you, bro. Always, bro. Appreciate you, man. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.